Welcome to Vibrant Potential. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Frickman. This week, I'm delving into the sometimes mysterious mind-body connection with my guest, Sandy Anderson of Yoga International and the Himalayan Institute. I hope we do a little to actually demystify that elusive mind-body connection. We pay particular attention to the psoas, one of the hip flexor muscles, and we explore more generally some ideas exposing how you can begin to achieve some lasting levels of flexibility and strength in muscles that may have been stubborn for you in the past. Like, for example, why are you, why do you keep having to stretch the same muscle and it continues to be tight and it doesn't seem like your structure is actually changing? We also talk a bit about how a stressed brain makes it impossible to connect with others around you in a deep way. Since life is arguably about your relationships, learning how to relax that stressed brain will really give you a more deeply meaningful life. Thanks for listening today. Here's Sandy Anderson of Yoga International Magazine and the Himalayan Institute. Welcome to Vibrant Potential. We provide you with everything you need to know to overcome stress, fatigue, and chronic health challenges, as well as optimizing your performance in fitness, relationship, and business. We use integrative health solutions and functional medicine strategies, including brain-based approaches, inspired fitness tips, emotional intelligence coaching, and spiritual growth techniques, so you can live the life you want, connect deeply with others, and fulfill your vibrant potential. Your host is functional medicine expert, genetic biohacker, and triathlon coach, Dr. Chris Frickman. Hi, Sandy. Thanks so much for joining us on Vibrant Potential. Hi, Dr. Chris. Glad to be here. Awesome. Say, uh, just so that to kind of like lay the groundwork for everyone, the the place that I was exposed to Sandy first was I was I was reading some articles as I often do online, and uh, from one to another to another, I got to uh, the Yoga International. Uh, essentially the magazine that's online. It's yogainternational.com. And Sandy has been studying yoga and in all of its facets. And she's been, uh, Sandy, you correct me if I'm wrong, living and working essentially at the Himalayan Institute for, what, 20, 25 years, something like that? Yes, 25 years, although I was studying yoga even before I came. So not to date myself, but (laughs) 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 yes, Uh, so I'm associated with the Online Institute, and we actually founded Yoga International Magazine, and it was originally a paper, um, actual magazine magazine, and now it's online, Um, a bit independent of the Institute. (laughs) Yeah, so I'd like for both then. Oh, go ahead. I write for both the Institute uh, and Yoga International and um, teach at the Himalayan Institute and also roundabout um, the country. Awesome. And can you fill in the listeners about what the mission is for the Himalayan Institute? 
Well, our mission is to um, uh, to bring happy lives to people, essentially. So, in that sense, it's somewhat oh, close to your mission, <laughs> Dr. Chris. Yes, our our um, mechanism for doing that is yoga, uh, science, and philosophy. Uh, we definitely emphasize a bit more of the comprehensive aspects of yoga, and not so much asana, which is, uh, in some ways, what yoga has come to mean. So, we have a very strong background in uh, the philosophical, psychological, and meditative aspects of yoga practice. Our spiritual head of the Institute here just recently published last year um, the first a translation of the first uh, chapter of the Yoga Sutra, which of course is the quintessential authority on yoga practice. Uh, but we also have a very practical approach to working with health and healing and lifestyle issues. And the thing that we've been talking about, Chris, uh, and that caught your eye, was uh, along those lines about the interface between working in the physical body and how that's connected to mental, emotional experiences uh, and the way we work with our mind and our nervous system. And yoga, of course, is a, a great uh, way for addressing uh, those kinds of issues at both the level of the mind nervous system and at the body. Yeah, that when I read that there might be a connection between the mind and the body, that was a completely new idea to me. I was blown away. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, there, I love that there's like, there's so many different ways to look at it. But clearly, there is obviously a huge um, connection between the mind and the body. And I loved your article about the psoas, and uh, and just so everyone knows, the psoas, if you're not familiar, is one of the hip flexors. So it helps us mm-hmm. if when we're when we're sitting, it's in a shortened position, and if we're standing and we contract it, then our leg would lift up in the air. That's what that muscle is. And so you think about a baby in a fetal position, that hip flexor is going to be really short in a fetal position because of course your knees are kind of up by your chest in a fetal position. And you wrote an article that was talking about the nervous system and and essentially, hey, you know, doing some like warrior poses and and some lunges and some hip flexor stretches, that that's all great stuff, but it might not be the only thing that you might want to look at if you're if you've got chronically tight hip flexors. Um, and, and before I have you um, kind of like launch into that, Sandy, just a couple of sort of housekeeping things, I guess. Uh, one is I just want people to make sure that we're on the same page. So everyone knows asana is really that means pose. So like yeah, postures mm-hmm. or, or posture. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, so when a lot of people think of yoga, they think of moving from one posture to another and, and in, I think it's the Sanskrit word, right? They call it, it's called asana. Yeah, that's right. Right. And so there's other pieces to yoga practice actually, other than just those postures. Will you just go ahead and launch right into it? Like, tell us why do we care that the mind and the body are connected and and how do we know that and, and how do we apply changes if we want to? Well, I think uh, the thing that both modern research in the physiological medical world and the ancient practices of yoga and the models of the human being that yoga has uh, emphasize the interconnection between 
uh, the way we think, our perceptions, our sensual input uh, into our system, into the mind and into the body, uh, our history, our experiences, uh, all of those things end up having a profound effect on the way the body uh, reacts on our health and on uh, things that have to, uh, and on the physical body itself and the way that it's um, working or not working, shall we say. And vice so, versa. And vice versa. So our habits in our body can set up a, um, in, a, a, a favorable condition for a mental-emotional state, for example. Uh, and a mental-emotional state ends up creating a tension pattern or a uh, dysfunction in the physiology in the body. Uh, that can become chronic and result in uh, disease or malfunctioning in some way, less than optimal functioning, shall we say. Yeah, and in so, chiropractic, we, we would often say dis-ease. Yes, dis-ease indeed. <laughs> yep. So it can be just a result of, as you well know, just a result of uh, habits of sitting at your desk all day, for example. Uh, but I think from the standpoint that I've been working with it, it's, it's uh, the thing that's really interesting to me is is the way in which uh, these chronic states of say anxiety get set up, and we begin to think of those as normal in our uh, in our own understanding of our inner world. Right. So we don't recognize it, and those perceptions we interpret things then in the light of that kind of anxiety there's there's like a negativity bias essentially this is one of the words they use in cognitive behavioral therapy i believe um where we begin interpreting things that might be dangerous even though they might not be but we you know we're predisposed to consider threats in the environment so it's constantly scanning for um for either threats or opportunities (laughs) yeah And interestingly enough, even when we're not scanning for threats and opportunity, we're supposedly at rest, a part of the brain that is active during that time is kind of a vague wandering of the mind that's uh, associated with self-referential thinking. In other words, it's all about me. And there's a certain low level of anxiety around that that has to do with um, our place in the so-called tribe, you know, our hierarchical status, our well-being, our... And, you know, we experience this as sort of a vague uh, worry about the past or, or future and a vague uh, discomfort about the past, perhaps. So there's, um, there's this low level of anxiety going on. And that translates into chemistry and into tension, both nervous system and endocrine gland uh, activity. Uh, and it turns out that you know, that has major consequences um, all through the structure, including the core alignment through the body, which is where our psoas muscle comes in, the one that is a hip flexor. Uh, and the, um, the way in which we're breathing, which is connected to the uh, core alignment and to the level of tension in the body in general. Uh, to our energetic um, body and to the way in which we uh, can function. So uh, in that sense, this predisposition towards uh, negative states of mind, which is both as a result of 
um, actual threats, perceived threats, habits of thinking there's a threat, or just a general uh, trying to find security, shall we say, in the outer world, <laughs> which we know is constantly changing. As opposed to um, finding it within oneself. Exactly. Um, all of those are things that end up creating a, a less than harmonious, uh, comfortable, healthy, balanced state of being, both physiologically and mentally, emotionally. Uh, so the yoga practices are really about becoming aware of the ways in which we, in particular, each of us individually, um, are creating these, shall we say, tension patterns in our psyche, either by our distorted thinking processes and our habits uh, of mind or by chronic, um, who knows where they came from, tension patterns in the body, which is probably something that you are familiar with or that many of us are if we've started to become more aware of our physical body. Uh, and it. And through the mechanisms or the techniques of uh, working with the postures, which we mentioned already, the asanas, we begin to release those tension patterns. Uh, but if we don't release them from the mind and from the nervous system, they come back. And, and so uh, the deeper levels of work have to do with uh, being able to uh, stabilize uh, the nervous system and the mind in the face of challenges and threats and so on, or to return quickly to a state of equilibrium um, after the system has been upset. Because sometimes we need to um, dial up our response system. You know, it's not that uh, the stress response is inappropriate. It's that when it doesn't turn off, when it's not needed, that's what's the inappropriate part. It's so funny. I mean, I could almost just play what you just said to 90% of my patients when they come in on probably the second visit. That is close to verbatim <laughs> what I <laughs> what, what I'm <laughs> yeah well I mean it's such a you know nine out of ten doctor visits are stress related and yeah I I do a stress response evaluation on almost everyone that comes in to see me in person and mm -hmm. and we talk about the autonomic nervous system and the sympathetics mm -hmm. which, which mm -hmm. people know as the fight or flight uh, system and then the parasympathetics which I call the rest and digest nervous system so yes and then I always ask, well, which one's important? And then mm -hmm. once in a while, I catch someone on that, a trick question, but they're both important, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're both important. Yeah. And not only that, you're probably remembering also the uh, the freeze syndrome, <laughs> which sure. is, you know, that also part of it. Uh, and the thing that I've been discovering lately uh, is interesting is that when, when those systems are active, um, that stress flight or uh, flight or freeze, uh, the social engagement systems are turned off through the nervous system. In other words, we're not able to um, spontaneously bond and socialize because everything is threatened. We have a nervous system charge that considers everything hostile in, in some underlying way. Yeah, and we actually have more uh, blood supply to our brainstem and some of like the older 
uh, parts of the brain and then less activation, yeah. yep. less blood supply, yep. less activation, less glucose right. and oxygen delivery to areas like the frontal lobe, which like you said, you know, you were talking about socializing, but mm-hmm. really everything that makes us human uh, really, <laughs> oh, gets, well put. really gets yeah. shut down, you know? I think of it as a higher mind is going offline. <laughs> is going offline. Yeah. Well, it yeah. really is. It really is. Yeah. It just goes offline. So one of the really simple practices of yoga, not simple, profound, but easily accessible, shall we say, uh, is a basic relaxation practice. And uh, that is designed to train the mind to be in a balanced, uh, really truly relaxed state, not just a thinking about something pleasant state, (laughs) but uh, a neutral state. Uh, And that simple practice is at the heart of um, balancing the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, kind of increasing vagal tone for those of you all who (laughs) remember that. Uh, The idea, that's kind of a uh, concept that's making the rounds these days. Uh, So why why don't you explain that a little bit? Yeah, it, it, it has to do with the vagus nerve, which is associated with parasympathetic nervous system, meaning it's the one that uh, puts a break on the arousal that happens with uh, a threat or even with a opportunity that's challenging, shall we say. Um, so it's the rest or rest and digest part of things. Yep. Um, but has a really profound effect on breathing, heart rate, uh, digestion, uh, the whole, all the visceral organs. Uh, and so it's enormously important in terms of balanced functioning. And if it gets out of whack, uh, nothing works right. <laughs> to take a step back really quick, you were talking about neutrality. Like yeah. what, what, do, what do you mean by that? Go into that a little. It means that neither system overpowers the other, but they both are appropriate. So an example might be you're not stuck in low gear when you're trying out on the freeway, and you're not stuck in high gear when you're trying to go up a really steep hill. So uh, the nervous system responds appropriately to a real understanding of the environment around you, not, um, not this chronic level of unconscious or barely subconscious anxiety that might be uh, kind of poking at the system constantly. Would that be similar to attempting to sort of dismantle the stories that we're telling ourselves about the world is a bad place or the world is a good place or the, you know, those stories that are like always running? Yes. Remember we were just talking about when uh, the mind is supposedly resting Mm-hmm. That it's actually in a self-referential mode. It's, tell- it's telling a narrative about me. It's all about me, of course. We already know that. <laughs> Wait, I <laughs> thought it was about me. About- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but me, my concern about me is usually about my well-being. Mm-hmm. You know, am I pretty enough? Am I successful enough? Am I going to lose my job? What about my kids? You know, there's this, uh, what, you know, this, or I want more, I want this, and I didn't get the recognition I needed or whatever. You know, there's this whole thing going on. Uh, that's the narrative. That's the story we're telling ourselves. And that's almost always associated with anxiety um, or some kind of depression or, 
you know, it's not, uh, it's not the happy mind. <laughs> it's not the uh, loving kindness uh, kind of mind. It's the resisting so, what is mind. It's the state it's of... It's the resisting what is mind. That's right. It's putting a story or a spin on or, tell, or putting a judgment on whatever the experience is in that moment. Uh, and therefore are not able to either uh, see it clearly uh, or respond in, a, in anything other than um, uh, a rote way. So it's a reactive mode mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, a, what would be the best, one, is this an accurate perception, and two, what would be the best uh, response. So that is exactly uh, that narrative that we're telling ourselves that's exactly, that's called living in the thought stream. And that's exactly what get bro- it gets broken up uh, by these practices um, in, um, in yoga, where we learn how to relax. Because the relaxing the mind does not mean going on to automatic pilot or um, sitting on the couch with the remote mm. <laughs> or uh, staring at our cell phone and Facebook, uh, but rather an inner focus. So we take our mind off of the world around us, um, shutting down the sensory experience uh, and stabilizing the inner focus in a way that gives the mind in a sense of really true uh, rest and rejuvenation. Uh, It's Um, deeply rewarding. Let let me make sure I understand that Um, because I thought I heard something that was slightly contrary to, to my experience. So you said shutting down the sensory or the sensual um, inputs, I think is what, how you put it. Um, and, yes. I think, and I think you were sort of talking about like maybe the news, you know, and, this, and, and you mentioned cell phones and, and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, however, I feel like um, s- some of my most sort of calm and grounded times that I've had have been when I was quite aware of my senses. Um, so, and nature is the thing that I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to mention here because, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you feel, you know, you go, go do a couple of asanas or, or just even lay mm-hmm. down in, in the grass and you feel how the, mm-hmm. the, the earth is actually, the earth is separate from the grass. And then there's some other kind of, there's some other kind of maybe there's a dandelion there and that's different from the grass <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and there's oh what's that smell like oh i can smell the neighbor's like cedar fence and i can smell this pollen or that th- you know whatever like there's and there's so many wonderful senses that you can just get lost in well you know what that does that's breaking up your thought stream mm, you're totally. in the present moment yeah so that's one way of breaking your thought stream up but it's still um, dependent on the outside world rather than the inner one. Mm, yeah. You know, you're still at the mercy of um, finding, <laughs> well, you can do it wherever you are. And that certainly is one way to start training the mind uh, to be really present and to be uh, from moment to moment focused on what's actually happening and not on the narrative and not on mm. plans or memories or uh, what you want things to be, but rather what it is. That's perfectly legitimate. But you were uh, but pointing the, to a different way. Yes, and a different way uh, is is to be aware of an, uh, a more inner state. You know, it's sort of as when you're falling asleep. You know, you become less aware of the world around you. 
and more aware of, uh, well, usually you're just stopping, you're not becoming aware, essentially, <laughs> slipping into unawareness. <laughs> mm. um, but there is in the yoga world a way of, and in yoga techniques, a way of stabilizing that state where you're in a very deeply relaxed mode, the same way you are when you're asleep, but you're still conscious. You're aware. You're centrally aware. You're very alert mentally. But it, the focus is not on the experiences of the senses or the world around you. The focus is just on pure awareness uh, and the ex- inner experiences of the body. So first you start by just being aware of uh, proprioception, essentially the physical awareness of the body itself. Uh, and that becomes a little more subtle. You become aware of breathing. And when you're aware of those things, you begin to let go of those tension patterns and those imbalances in the nervous system and in the physical body that um, that you are usually not aware of because you're busy being aware of everything else and, and telling yourself a story. So in that sense, it becomes very healing in a way that merely slipping out of stressed out mode into present moment awareness mode isn't quite as deep a level of reprogramming the way the brain and nervous system are working as it does when you are able. So are we Uh, talking about meditation? This is a step towards meditation, but it's more uh, in yoga called um, a pratyahara or we usually teach it here as a deep guided relaxation. And usually after we've taken tension out of the body with some movement and asana practice. So it's done lying down. It's not a one-pointed focus like meditation is because you move the body, the mind through the body. It's much easier if you have a moving focus, you know, to keep the mind engaged because it tends to wander off when you try to hold it in one place, as you might have noticed. Mm. Like a yoga nidra, like that kind of a thing? Yeah, it is a yoga nidra state, but technically yoga nidra is a state of being. It's not a practice. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's taken on. Again, you know, things get a little bit distorted. It's kind of like the telephone game. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, but... Uh, and yoga, the practices are a way of beginning to reach that mental, physiological state where you register the body in the deep state of relaxing, but the mind is still alert. Uh, you're still conscious, shall we say. The mind is also very, very still. So the brain would register brain waves of um, you know, sleep, but you're, st- yeah, but you're still awake. I mean, mm-hmm. you're still alert. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, what you're doing is uh, you're creating a new state of being internally uh, that begins to um, neutralize uh, the old patterns of tension or holding. Um, Because normally when you fall asleep, say, or you take a nap or you rest or whatever, you do come up refreshed from that, but essentially you pick up exactly where you left off. Nothing has changed in the interim. You just kind of, um, you know, stepped out of it for a while. But you didn't create anything new when you were stepping out of it. You didn't, um, all you did was uh, go offline and then you came right back into the same document or the same problem you're trying to solve. Whereas these techniques are ones where those old patterns are broken up uh, and new ones which are much more integrated, much more conscious, much more 
uh, powerful in that sense and much more uh, nurturing and healing and balanced in their own way. Uh, those patterns uh, are created by this practice. Uh, and therefore, just a, uh, 15 minutes of that kind of practice is the equivalent of, say, an hour of actual sleeping. So it's a very powerful way of working uh, with this tension body, um, our energetic body. That is often the underlying problem for a lot of things that are manifesting physically. So to to bring it back to the, the psoas here, just to make sure um, there's a lot of cool concepts in here, and so I can kind of get swept up in all of them. I want to kind of bring it back and make sure that we say that so we're talking about this tight hip flexor, and and just again, so people understand, the tight hip flexor is actually just one example. Uh, it's it's actually all kinds of different things that can show up in the body. Yes, it's important because so as is of a particular interest because it's one of those core uh, core strength muscles. We're talking a lot about that these days. Yep, uh, and it's very sensitive to these uh, nervous system states. Okay, so. If someone has a tight, a chronically tight or shortened hip flexor, they feel like, what the heck, I'm doing the, I'm doing the asanas or I'm doing the lunges, you know, I'm doing the PT Mm -hmm. movements that, you know, my doctor gave me or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, how come I have to keep doing them? Like, why does it seem like I'm always fighting against these tight hip flexors? So then that's what we're talking about. You're, you're going to give an example of, of something else that they could try. Yeah, because uh, the the psoas responds to stress. You know, it's just one of those core uh, defensive movements. You know, we, we, when when you're threatened, it's an old thing. I mean, yeah, a flexor withdrawal response. Exactly, like, the, like all of the flexors kind of contract in order to protect your soft underbelly and to protect all the organs. And even if you don't physically, yeah, you don't even physically curl up, but still there's that um, that kind of reaction in those muscles, which is why they get tight. Yeah, so let me, let me just lay that out for people a little bit because I think some, I mean, I know what a flexor withdrawal response is, but if, if you're not familiar with that exact wording or that phrase, yeah. um, think about reaching out, reaching your hand out to touch whatever, a uh, fire, let's just say a fire. And mm-hmm. it, if your finger gets burned, but for some reason you weren't expecting it, right? But but you reach out, you touch this fire. Okay, I mean, maybe this is like the three-year-old that's doing this, right? Maybe, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and they're touching the fire. Wow, like what's going to happen? Your, your, your elbow is going to flex, your, your wrist yeah. and your fingers are like, everything's going to flex in. You shrink. It, you do. And it's a way to get yeah. away from that pain and kind of yeah. protect yourself yeah. right away. And that, that same thing can happen in, in the leg and the whole body, and it's a nervous system mediated thing. It's not you thinking exactly. about it consciously. No, it's not. It's an unavoidable response to perceived danger. And yes. what you're saying then, for people to just keep following along here, is is that's actually happening more often than we think. It, you know, yes. it sounds silly, like when I'm saying, "Oh, I'm going to touch this fire," and I didn't realize I was going to get burned, but. That's a that's like an over the top example, but actually we're facing these different perceived stressors all the time. I mean, every time you go around a corner, practically, if, yeah, if, exactly, de- depending on your state of mind, and yeah. and so you're talking about this re- um, 
uh, forgive me if I say it wrong, relaxed. It's like mindful awareness, like a relaxation technique um, uh, where you can essentially start to train your body to, and your, well, really your mind to tell your Mm -hmm. body, uh, Mm -hmm. hey, it's not quite that dangerous. Like, like maybe let this stuff go. Yeah, it trains it trains you to be aware that that's happened, and then to 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 come off of it. So what what happens is when it when you've gotten this triggered over and over again, or oftenly or almost co- uh, constantly for some period of time, it becomes what we call the neural pathway. It becomes the the go to default mode. And what this practice does is it changes the default mode to one that's relaxed. So it isn't that you don't respond uh, when there's a stressor. It's just that you come off of it when the stressor is removed or you come off of it as soon as you realize that, uh, yeah, it was hot, but mm, I've jerked my hand away and now I'm relaxing my elbow instead of keeping it cocked to use your uh, previous example. So it allows you more flexibility in your response range instead of always being in withdrawal mode always being in um, defensive mode inside your body, even if your mind is let go of the, uh, the close call on the freeway, your body is still tense. So when you have this kind of training, you're able to release the, the tension out of the body and move back into a more relaxed, um, uh, flexible, responsive mode where you can respond again if there's a a need to, to um, a threat, but you can also not be responding to threats when there aren't any. (laughs) Well, that's what that's, I think that's where I was trying to go is, so you're talking about, you said something about traffic, like like if you get cut off Mm -hmm. in traffic or rear end someone or even like, it would would be natural for your body to kind of be like, whoa, you know, and then like, it'd be great if you, you could. You need that. That's fine. And it'd be great if you could just relax quickly when you're done with it when it's over. Yeah. Yeah. But then what about like, uh, what about, let's say you're my boss and you come to me and, and we have a review or something for my performance and you say, you know what, Chris, you're fired. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. So that, that would be an easy time for, for me to, to freak out and my nervous system would be like, Oh no, like I can't, I can't (laughs) not be without a job. Like I need money. And what are people going to think of me? Yeah. Yeah. All these different things. (laughs) And so what about like this idea of, um, now, I'm not a Taoist, but but my my essential understanding of Taoism is this sort of acceptance of the way is is we're not we don't call we don't bother calling things good or bad anymore. It's just everything just is, and it's like oh okay, it, more like interesting. I don't have a job anymore right now, you know, like as opposed to getting freaked out in the first place. Well, you might freak out, but you might use that in a way that's constructive. You might just think. Yeah, this is serious. It's not that it's okay. It is really bad news because I have to pay my kids tuition next month. Um, but what you don't do then is let it turn into a, an overblown runaway crisis mode. But is it bad uh, news? I mean, what if it's what if it turns out like you happen to be free on Wednesday afternoon and you I don't know you go to the grocery store and you meet this person that gives you a better job or something. Yeah, well, that might be, and that's why you want to have a balanced view of it. But you're not going to just kind of 
sit at home and think, okay, well. <laughs> I guess I don't have a job anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, oh boy, let me play more video games on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, you have to live with reality, and it's a, it's a, it's a rational response to, to be upset about that because for all the different reasons. You don't deny that or pretend like, it, like you're not upset. But what you do is, is you learn how to um, accept the, the problem and the emotional response uh, and then be measured in your uh, response. So you don't freak out. You are concerned about getting a job and you are able to calm yourself to the point where you can think rationally with your higher mind, as we mentioned earlier, about what would be the best strategy now. Should I uh, call my friends? Should I consider um, moving somewhere? Where, uh, or should I talk to my other people in the company and see if I could get... You start thinking about your options in a real clear way and a creative way. That's yeah. not possible when you're you running with full. I mean, I think yeah. of that as like being able to act powerfully. Uh, yes. Which you can't do if you're just freaking out. Yes, if you're freaking out. That's right. And, and this um, capacity to kind of manage the tendency to freak out is exactly what this training is about. Nice. It, it's about being able to maintain some kind of or restore some kind of equilibrium in your nervous system and your thinking process and in your emotions mm-hmm. uh, in the face of provocation. Nice. So is this something that you can do like driving in the car or when you're at work or is this something where you need to be at home or No, you can do it any time. Well, you don't do the real, the actual te- the practice, the technique practice needs to be done in a very controlled environment. But the point is <clears throat> that it creates a uh, an inner state that you're able to call forward more easily when you practice regularly because your nervous system doesn't get so out of balance. So your default mode becomes one of a more relaxed state of being to start with. So you can drop back to your default mode instead of your default mode of anxiety, which might be um, where you're operating from now. Mm, that sounds great. A little bit more calm, a little bit more peace. You can easily find practices like this um, on yogainternational.com. They have uh, lots of classes, asana, but also these other kind of breathing and relaxation classes or techniques, and some of them are short tutorials, and that would be a really good place to to do it. Um, You can also uh, go to the himalayaninstitute.org website, and we offer weekend workshops, which is probably the best way to do any of this. You come and stay for a while and enjoy the uh, very quiet retreat center and t- take some training and practice and, and learn the technique and get a daily practice set up. And uh, one thing we didn't mention is how important the breathing process is in all of this. So there are classes in what we call diaphragmatic breathing on both Yoga International and Hillian Institute <clears throat> websites. So that would be... Uh, the things to look for to get started with this. All right. Very cool. Well, Sandy, thank you very much. Oh, thank you. What's your number one health tip? Your number one health tip? Mm-hmm. Do a relaxation practice every day. Very good. That will keep you in good stead.
Very good, Sandy. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you can find out more about Sandy and her programs, like we've mentioned, at yogainternational.com. You can check it out at the Himalayan Institute.org. And you can also go to the show notes for today's show at www.drchrisfrickman.com slash Himalayan Institute. I'll try to provide, I'll, I'll try to like look around on their website before I post this and I'll, um, I'll see if I can find like a specific, uh, maybe, maybe a video or something like that. That would be something that people could do at home if they wanted like a little intro yep. for, for free and, you know, mm-hmm. put their toe in, uh, mm-hmm. or if they want to go all out and come live with you for a month and then they can do that too. I highly encourage that, coming to live with us for a month. (laughs) That sounds awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Sandy. Thanks a lot, Chris. There you have it. I did actually go online and look for a good guided meditation or relaxation or mindfulness video or something. I, I, I went on YouTube. There were, there's countless, countless videos on there. And some of them are about anxiety or depression or OCD or uh, some of them are just more globally about peace and calm and relaxation. There's also a ton of different apps. One of them I know a lot of people have enjoyed is uh, Insight Timer. There's a bunch of meditations that you can download through that free app. Uh, But you can also go to YouTube and you can Google whatever makes sense for you. So you can Google uh, mindfulness practice or daily relaxation practice. Uh, If you do have a lot of anxiety, you could Google guided meditation for anxiety or whatever seems to make the most sense to you after listening to this. But I do highly encourage you to, uh, to consider either some kind of like some kind of mindfulness practice, daily meditation, something like that. I, I don't think it's too important that we get hung up on if it's, if the Himalayan Institute thinks it's meditation or if they think it's preparation for meditation or whatever, I think any of this stuff is actually going to be uh, worth your while. Just even a few minutes a day can provide benefit. I hope that you take me up on that encouragement. I hope that you check that out. Go ahead and leave me some feedback at facebook.com slash vibrant potential. Just let me know uh, if you did decide to do a relaxation or a meditation practice after listening to this episode and let me know uh, how that went if it if it made a difference for you in any way here's to your vibrant potential visit drchrisfrickman.com for more cutting-edge content including nutrition and detoxification advice unique fitness videos and more 